0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, given the state of the last federal election, which was a complete surprise to so many, and certainly for those who are people of faith who were concerned about some of the anti-Christian agendas that were floating around, there were some who were absolutely surprised, others who were spurred on to action because of what you might assume is a love for Australia, a love for the freedoms that we experience. And there is a sense in which is, we get into a conversation about love of our nation we might like to get into some deeper discussion about what it is to be patriotic, what it is to have a certain national pride, and what responsibility we might have as Christian believers to express our love for other fellow Australians by wanting the best for them. Well, Bill Muhlenberg's been writing about this and joining us once again today. Hello, Bill. Welcome back to 2020. Great to be back. Bill, this idea about whether Christians love their country came out recently with some comments to one of your many articles. How does the story go?
1: Yeah, i done a piece, uh, not surprisingly, on the culture wars. I think it was on uh, this thing of all these drag queens reading to children in libraries. So I think I finished my piece by saying something, you know, Something like, who's going to stand with me to protect our children, our freedom, our faith, our country? So anyway, somebody wrote back a comment uh, on that very issue and said, hey, I'll stand with the kids and the freedom and faith, but we'll leave uh, country to Caesar. Uh, So I wrote back a little comment to him just to discuss that, and uh, ended up turning it into an entire article. So a number of things can be said there, but obviously the thing about Jesus in rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, uh, it did mean, uh, you know, God has created the state. God is in favor of government. He made it. And so it's got a role to play, and we should, uh, you know, uh, be willing to submit to government within limits. Uh, But it does not mean that, you know, government is totally the... Uh, sphere of uh, pagans. Christians should have nothing to do with it. We should just be uninvolved in politics and government. So I put that and some other issues in this piece and just try to help us develop a somewhat bigger understanding of what it means of, you know, can we as Christians love our country?
0: I guess it's easy, isn't it, to become quite insular and if you have your local church, your local community and that's where your focus is, sometimes it's hard to look beyond the horizon to the fact that there are bigger issues at play. But Bill, there's a certain sense in which values do trickle down from the top. And if you get the wrong values at the top, the wrong values eventually get into the communities that we're focused on. So I imagine that there are going to be some, in some sense, called to their local community, a little more insular, a little more uh, looking closely at what goes on around the corner. But others are going to be lifting their sights a little higher to the nation. What are your thoughts about the love for our nation and uh, this idea of patriotism, of having a sort of a nationalist idea, uh, some of that can be dangerous, but what are your thoughts for lifting our eyes a little higher?
1: Yes, well, as I told this fellow, uh, you know, you're right to want to look after children and freedom and faith, but these things don't exist in a vacuum. They actually happen in the country. So to say, well, I'm just going to ignore the country, which presumably he means, you know, ignore politics, government, all those kind of things. Well, that's exactly where all this is being fought out. Freedom and the well-being of our children and marriage and family, that's all being fought in our country on governmental, political, legislative levels. So if you want to do good by all those things, you have to get engaged. You have to be involved. Sure, one can obviously love a country too much, uh, just like you can wow, well, Jesus even talked about you know right, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, and all that kind of stuff it 's it 's more a question of degree. God should be our first and foremost great love doesn 't mean we can 't love one another as a parent or a child, but by comparison, I suppose God always has to get the first loyalty in our life, but there's place for other. Uh, lesser loves, if you will, love of country, love of family, and so on. So there's a place for that. We don't want to worship our country, you know, my country, right or wrong. But uh, there is a place for supporting it, for uh, wishing it well, for wanting to see it succeed, uh, especially if it, you know, can be used for the kingdom, uh, Uh, You know, America and Australia for a while were among the leading countries that sent out foreign missionaries. Uh, That's the kind of thing you can certainly get behind. So uh, there is a place for uh, wanting to love your country and see it do well.
0: It strikes me that as I think of, I'm thinking of Romans chapter 13, and not Mm. sure of the whole context there, just off the top of my head, but this idea that... Christian believers actually become very good, solid citizens, uh, not insular. To be a good citizen, you are interested in the uh, types of uh, shaping of your whole nation. And uh, and there is a certain sense here in which citizenship has responsibility attached to it, uh, but also the fact that you've got a voice, that you can be an influence into the decision-making Capacity of uh, the nation as we have it today. Perhaps a little bit different from the first century, but we have this capacity Mm -hmm. to be able to help shape what the nation looks like as a citizen.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Christians have, uh, well, we have dual citizenship. We hold two passports. We're citizens of heaven, obviously, but we're citizens of the country that we happen to live in as well. And yeah, Romans 7... Or Romans thirteen one to seven was written by Paul when the Christian faith was not as actually uh, looked upon uh, uh, positively by the government of the day. Uh, of course, persecution arose and became even worse. Uh, and yet, Paul could write that in Romans thirteen about submitting to the government, being a good citizen, paying your taxes. First Peter two, one Timothy two also speak about submitting to the government, praying for our leaders and so on. So, um, you know, there's a place to be a good citizen in this world as well as to be a good citizen of the next. Uh sometimes the two come into conflict. There can often be a tension, and that's probably always gonna be how it is as a Christian. We kinda live between two worlds, the old and the new. We've got obligations here in this life, but we also have a higher calling to the next. So that's the stuff of, well, probably hundreds of thousands of books have been written on that one. You know, how does a Christian live in the world? How does he engage with the state? What about political involvement? Big questions indeed, but we are called to be this uh, holder of two passports.
0: Bill, there are groups in history who, as Christians, have withdrawn from the influence in society. Uh, There'd be some groups today we might even be able to identify that encourage their followers not to vote, uh, to take pacifist stances on a lot of political uh, issues like that. But so far as the things that have shaped us compared to what the Bible might teach, How do you see the Bible and the sort of theological reflection we might be able to bring about how we ought to engage as citizens in a nation?
1: Well, again, another massive topic. One to stretch over many hours, if we could. Uh, And as you rightly said, uh, throughout church history, there have been different options. Some Christians have gone one way, some another. There's not been complete agreement on all this, obviously the kind of withdrawal that you mentioned, not wanting anything to do with politics and government and that kind of thing. Uh, Well, the whole Anabaptist tradition, of course, that began at the time of the Reformation, that was one uh, strong movement in this area. It's always been a minority position within the, the Church, but, you know, it's been held by some and they would have their reasons for running with that probably most others would have some kind of relationship with government and culture you know in fact whole books have been written about this the relationship of christ to culture is christ above culture is he below it do we seek to transform culture so a lot of models and options that throughout church history we've seen different christians do so you got stuff like, I suppose, the Puritans in New England or Knox in Scotland, Calvin in Geneva, having, you know, really a kind of heavy hands-on kind of approach. Let's try to bring Christian principles to bear, at least in terms of a smaller, uh, you know, whether a city or a state. Uh, so again, a lot of options. Uh, some have worked better than others. Uh Probably you can get a bit of biblical support for any number of these models, but the point is, uh, Jesus said, Occupy till I come. He commanded us to be salt and light. So the commands are there. How it all works out in practice, that gets a little bit more... uh, Uh, confused perhaps or uh, debatable at times.
0: We can never get away from those wonderful metaphors. You are salt and you are light. Of course, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And he said to the disciples, you are the light of the world. And uh, as we reflect him, it's not just an insular local community reflection, but uh, also, as we've seen through history, those who have been raised up Uh, to be leaders of nations and influencers upon nations. They are also light of the world. And being salt and light, one of those big challenges, we often wonder how we can make our salt more savoury and our light more bright. Uh, But this is the challenge, I guess, Bill, to actually be more influential in the coming times.
1: Yeah, that's right. Again, just that one command alone to be salt and light, that makes it a bit hard, I would think, to fully endorse a position of complete withdrawal that some Christians have held to. Uh, You know, you can live in a cave and try to live a holy life and not be contaminated by the world, but uh, conversely, the world is not going to get any good godly contamination from you, if that's all we do. So I think we do have an obligation, however we understand it, to be in the world, yet not of it, to have that Christian influence, I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of remarkable. We have right now an evangelical Christian who is the head of the nation of Australia. Now, I'm sure he would be the first to say that he's not going to let his particular uh, biblical faith determine everything he says and does. He's not going to try to turn this country into a theocracy. I don't think he can. Uh, But obviously, as a Christian man, he's got certain values and principles which hopefully we'll see worked out as he seeks to lead the country, as he appoints uh, people within his own cabinet and so on. So it it really makes a big difference when we have Christians in leadership. We read so much in the Bible about righteousness exalts a nation. Uh, Even Jeremiah, speaking to the exiles, said, uh, seek the welfare of the country that you're living in. And, of course, the New Testament, in a sense, says we're all exiles. We're all living in a strange land right now. So I think the principle still applies. Seek the welfare of the city. Seek to be a blessing. Seek to be uh, salt and light in a dark and pagan society. And uh, God will honor you for doing that.
0: Well, Bill, a very good reminder. And certainly there will be those who, after the election results just recently, Uh, will have breathed a sigh of relief because of the onslaught that was coming to Christian values. But that onslaught has not really uh, ended. It's maybe a brief reprieve, but there's a battle to come. And the challenge for believers to be that salt and light and to have an expression of love for the nation, for their country, uh, is going to be something that's going to be called on uh, for all of us. I'll point people to the article we're referring to today in a loose sort of a way, Should Christians Love Their Country? Uh, you can find it when you go to com, or you can Google Culture Watch One Word and read some of the many articles that Bill posts every week. Bill, great getting your insights. Thanks for being with us once again today on 2020.
1: Always a pleasure.